Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherwood. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, J.C. Sherwood, everyone. Happy New Year. J.C. Sherbert, everyone, Happy New Year. What a start to the show. Uh, what a game for the Gamecocks. Uh, Duke's Mayonnaise Bowl, South Carolina 38, North Carolina 21. Gamecocks 530 yard, four yards worth of total offense. Uh, DeCarry and Joyner, uh, what can you say about that? You know, he got out there and, and played. We kind of got a little, uh, I don't know, tidbit, hail, Hale McGranahan did. He called me up a couple weeks back and was like, hey, I'm hearing Joyner may start. And we're like, well, that's not the kind of thing, you know, we're going to put out because you don't want North Carolina uh, to read that and get, you know, game plan information. But, um, you know, he he did. I I thought it was a masterful job by DeCarrion at quarterback. I thought you know, throwing the ball, he was very accurate. I, I, you know, and and the best thing I can say about that is sometimes players, you know, we're all wrong about the player, you know, in this sport. And uh, with the carry on, it's just a situation, by the way, he's not Dak. I said this on Twitter over the weekend. It's not Dak. It's not Dak. That's something uh, I think one of the podcasts came up with started calling him Dak and people, uh, say that like Dak Prescott is to carry on or DK, just for clarification. Uh, but Joiner, you know, it may just be that everybody's trying to kind of force him at wide receiver or play him in the secondary or whatever. And the guy is probably just a quarterback. <laughs> he's probably pretty good too, you know. So I, I don't know. You know, he's got another year. He'll be able to come back. I don't know what they'll do with him. Maybe they keep playing him at QB. Uh, I don't know, with Rattler coming in and all that, uh, who knows what will happen moving forward. But uh, I'll, I'll say this, he, he did a hell of a job. You know, game MVP, uh, nine for nine, 160 yards, plus 64 yards rushing, which he was very, very good at breaking containment and uh, 
getting yards with his feet, very elusive in the pocket. Uh, just can't say enough good about him. And he rotated with Zeb Nolan. Uh, you know, and, and as we watched the game, and I was getting texts from many of my friends who probably were out there listening, uh, you know, I, I kind of sort of started thinking, well, every time Zeb went in, I was like, oh, why are you doing this? You're kind of slowing things down. But uh, I started thinking about it. And, and in this offense, they put so much, uh, you know, right or wrong. Uh, let's just say, clearly, I'm not endorsing uh, some of the stuff they do pre-snap because I just I think it's it's way 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 uh, not conducive to having a successful offense in college. Uh, but you don't know, you know, Zeb's probably pretty good at, at reading the line of scrimmage, reading the box, getting them into the right run game play. Uh, so you don't know how many times Zeb did that. You know, well, the Gamecocks were sort of running it with with Harris and those guys. So, you know, you got to take that into account, and that's something we don't know exactly. And so I kind of was like, well, you know, yeah, it bothered me too a little bit, but you, you don't really know what exactly the, the the play is when he goes in and tries to get it done or whatever. So, you know, very good win. Uh, second, uh, second win in three tries against North Carolina in Charlotte. Second time, really, as an as an underdog. I don't remember if South Carolina was a lined underdog or a favorite in 2015, but certainly that Gamecock team won three games. The North Carolina team, I think, won 10. Uh, so second sort of improbable victory up at Bank of America Stadium. And, and you start thinking about it. You know, that NC State game they won in 2017, got outgained by 300 yards but still won. Uh, this one, uh, in the 2015 game against UNC, you know, obviously in 2011 against East Carolina, you know, South Carolina was supposed to win that one, and they did uh, blew a, blow it open in the second half after, after being down 17 zip. But, uh, you know, Bank of America, that's a, that's a place. Gamecocks have one more game scheduled there um, against North Carolina in two years in the season opener. And so we'll see kind of what happens with that one, but I, I think because of the two bad games that happened up there in the Muschamp era, it was it was sort of nice to see South Carolina go up there and win. Um, Charlotte is a place where, you know, it's close enough to USC, to Columbia, to where South Carolina should be able to recruit there. Uh, hats off to the three offensive line starters, Gwynn, Nichols, and Douglas, all from the Charlotte area. Offensive line played the best. I think they've played – just about all season, you know, North Carolina has a pretty talented defensive front. If you're just talking about talent, uh, I could continue to maintain. Uh, since I've watched them a lot this year, since the Virginia tech game, continue to maintain that they're all probably about a year away. So by the time South Carolina plays them again, those guys will be, uh, probably pretty doggone good up front, but you know, they played soft North Carolina didn't really respond to South Carolina's physicality. Uh, I think anytime you play a team like the Tar Heels, uh, where they're structured as, as far as like they go up and down the field, you know, they're going to run it, they're going to throw it, they're going to put points on the board. <laughs> you know, your best defense sometimes is your offense. And that's what South Carolina failed to do against Tennessee earlier this year, if you're wondering why that game got out of hand. Um, you know, because you, you you run it, you control the clock, that doesn't give them the opportunity to gas your defense. And Shane Beamer, South Carolina's head coach, mentioned this after the game. He was like, we had to hold on to the ball or we were going to get gassed on defense. 
and you know, 40 minutes to 20 minutes, that's pretty, pretty significant right there. Uh, and the Gamecocks did not get gassed. Uh, I thought the defense, you know, held up really, really well, uh, probably their best all around game. That sort of goes to show you how good they can be uh, at times when, when they're not on the field the whole time, but they also came out and took the fight to North Carolina. You know, a lot of games this year, you think Georgia, uh, even Auburn, um, Texas A&M, uh, Tennessee, you know, South Carolina on defense played at, on its heels at the beginning. Uh, even Kentucky, you know, which is a game they they kind of battened down the hatches. Uh, Kentucky scored that seven early, first drive of the game, I think, for the Wildcats. So they haven't always started well. And uh, they started really, really well. The first sack on Howell was excellent. Uh, and then two big explosive plays, uh, quick scores to get up 15 nothing. It was 18 nothing, 18 to 10, 25 to 10. Juju McDowell, 35 yard touchdown run for that third touchdown of the game, uh, which I thought was critical. Uh, and then in the second half, going out, taking it down the field and scoring uh, to make it a 32 13 ball game. Uh, and to put it in perspective, North Carolina needed a trick play and a two-point conversion to even get to 21. Sam Howell, three net rushing yards. Uh, huge. Uh, stat of the game, maybe. Uh, he had 800 rushing yards coming into the game. It was tough to stop him <laughs> for a lot of teams this year, but the Gamecocks had a great game plan to bottle him up. And uh, he didn't really go that far in the only in the air either. And their backs, with the exception of British, British Brooks, is that his name? Uh, with a 65-yarder earlier. He's good. Um, the kid's probably better than Chandler, their other back, to be honest. I've seen him really come on down the stretch. <clears throat> but uh, all in all, it added up to a comfortable 17-point win for the Gamecocks. Shout-out to Parker White, uh, who became the all-time leading scorer in program history. Shout-out to Jalen Foster, who capped an All-American season uh, as a walk-on. He played well. Just about everybody in the secondary did. Shout out for to Kevin Harris, 182 yards, and he's off to the NFL. Uh, great way to cap a career at South Carolina. That was the type of game I think a lot of us expected from Kevin Harris uh, this season. Uh, you have to wonder, looking back on it, how healthy he really was. You know, during the year, he had some games where, you know, he had that explosiveness and things like that. But you know, 31 carries for 182 yards. That, that that's kind of what the expectation. Uh, I think was uh, heading into it. So, you know, guys like Nick Muse too, that, that came to Carolina there for three years, faced some adversity. Uh, Nick Muse back in his hometown area. He's from Belmont outside of Charlotte, capping it off well and also had the nice, you know, that two-point play that they, I think they ran that in the opener too. Uh, you know, really nice to see him get in the end zone there at the end. Uh, and all that. Just a really nice way, I think, to end a year one of the Beamer era. You know, South Carolina won two games last year, and it was all SEC schedule. So if you made the adjustment, you know, would they have beaten Coastal and East Carolina last year? I tend to think if they'd have played them at the beginning, they would. It probably Coastal would have probably scared the bejesus out of them, but they probably could have won. So maybe five, four, five. You know, I, I think you look at last year's team, it's probably they, – they may have won four considering how the defense collapsed and all that good stuff. But you don't really know. Two is two. But uh, even if you're doing the, the math there, 
let's say they got to five last year, four and five, and then you get up to seven, uh, that's progress. You know, keep in mind two years ago, 2019, they went four and eight. You know, and, and they beat some teams too, guys, that uh, you don't expect. Uh, you know, you, you don't pencil in as wins. Florida and Auburn are two of them, and then North Carolina, obviously. Uh, and then they had some ugly ones. You know, Vandy was ugly. East Carolina was ugly. Troy was ugly, you know. But uh, – and then there are ugly losses. A&M and Tennessee, ugly losses. Clemson was a very ugly loss. Uh, so it was up and down. But uh, what you want if you have an up-and-down football team is to play your best at the end, and then everybody's happy. Um, these kids that are departing the program now have been through a lot. You know, there are a lot of overachievers uh, over there, uh, and a lot of guys that, that that aren't overachievers necessarily in terms of how good they are, but they're, they're players that uh, have overcome adversity quite well. And there's something to be said for that. People talk about culture all the time. Uh, your, your culture is such that your players handle their business a certain way, win or lose. Um, and, you know, I, I think this team did. Uh, you, you know, you look at it and you're like, well, JC, they're helter-skelter. One week they play good, one week they wouldn't. Uh, and I agree with that. Um, but, but I think the idea is, is it's not so much attached to performance. Culture is not. Uh, as opposed to it's t- attached to response. And if you look this year, this team never was below 500. You know, they, they stayed right there, you know, five and four, five and five, six and five, six and six, seven and six. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, when all was said and done, you know, piecing that game plan together was out, out, was really great on offense. And the defensive staff had a tremendous day. Uh, against a good coordinator in Phil Longo at North Carolina. So, and, and a team that has a lot of skill talent. So South Carolina, you know, a big win. Uh, people ask me, what is this going to do for recruiting in North Carolina? I just think it gives the Gamecocks another talking point. Uh, North Carolina's not going anywhere as far as how hard they are to recruit against right now with Mac Brown. Uh, but, you know, everybody associated with the Gamecock program realizes that you know, getting back to the point where you're getting three and four top guys from North Carolina cycle and maybe a class with five or six North Carolinians in it, uh, but that's going to take time. You know, South Carolina's got to get more momentum than what they've got. Um, you know, and, and this cycle in particular, 2021 wasn't all that great up there in North Carolina. Top, you know, as far as the top guys go, uh, the Tar Heels actually ended up getting five of the top six from the state of Virginia, which is another place South Carolina needs to go start recruiting. Um, and so we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. I, I don't want people to think, win or lose, that this is going to have this dramatic impact on recruiting. I certainly think it looks better to be seven and six than six and seven when you're out trying to recruit. And you can point to it. You can say, hey, look, you know, this North Carolina team has recruited in the top 10, top 15 the last few years. They were preseason top 10. South Carolina beat them like a drum. Florida was in the top 10 at one point. South Carolina beat them like a drum. Auburn at one point, people were talking about the Tigers winning the East. They control their own destiny. South Carolina did not beat them like a drum, but they beat him. And, you know, you, you beat programs like that, you know, you can sell it. I mean, th- this program, people don't realize. Uh, and, I, and I think, you know, you, you look at it since 2010, which was a breakthrough year, uh, you know, and it's been more than a decade now. 
unfortunately, because that was a fun season. Uh, South Carolina uh, has beaten every team in the playoff. Uh, they haven't played Cincinnati, but three of the four teams in the playoff, they've they beaten them a total of eight times. They've beaten Georgia five times, Bama once, and Michigan twice. So this isn't a program that just, uh, you know, takes a back seat to, you know, whoever or whatever. You know, they've beaten some of the name brand teams uh, over the years. And, uh, you know, Muschamp, well, Muschamp beat Georgia and Michigan. <laughs> Uh, beat him once, close games, but he did beat them while he was there. So th- this is not a program that, you know, people need to compare to, you know, your your Dukes of the world or anybody like that. I think it's a it's a program that's needed some love and help and and whatever, some some new energy. And uh, I think Shane Beamer, uh, with this year, by and large, accomplished that. There's lots of room for improvement. Um, lots of questions about the offensive coordinator. We'll get into all that. Uh, you know, I'm telling you, you, you kind of know how these things work sometimes. Uh, you know, if you're c- coming off a big win and that's how you end it, you think, well, maybe they've arrived. You know, maybe this was about this and that and the other and not necessarily the coaching. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that, but uh, we'll just see what happens uh, with that. So, you know, I, I'm not uh, advocating for, for anything right now uh, or, or backing anything up whatever decision could be made and I, I don't even know if there is a decision it may just be that you know I don't hear anything Satterfield stays you go into spring practice and he gets to coach Spencer Rattler but it's sort of like you know Keith and I were talking when I was on locked on the Gamecocks last week you know you get, get Rattler you don't want to mess that up because then the next Rattler is probably going to look at you and go oh I don't know if I want to go there <laughs> And you can always use big-time quarterbacks, you know. So, so you can't mess this up, I think, next season. And uh, if you're Shane Beamer, you know, not to mention Marcus Satterfield. So we'll see sort of what happens uh, with all of that. But a big win, you know, news and notes segment right now wrapping up. Big win for South Carolina uh, against the Tar Heels um, in Charlotte. Big, big-time deal there because you got to uh, – you know, you, you got to win. You, you got to win it. Uh, but, you know, when you have an opportunity like that, South Carolina broke a six-game losing streak to the ACC. South Carolina is now 13-2 and two in its last 15 games against teams from the state of North Carolina. And it's not all been Western Carolina and East Carolina either. <laughs> uh, I think that's good. You know, reversing that streak, Beamer won against both the North Carolina schools he faced this year. Uh, so, so these little things that are – tiny points of pride that were slipping, you know, have gotten reversed this year. They won the opener, which I don't think if they'd lost the opener. There'd have been issues. Um, and that broke a two game opener losing streak, uh, you know, broke a losing streak, obviously against Florida. It's been frustrating, you know, in that series, because the Gamecocks, uh, I think during the last three wins for Florida, 2018, 19 and 20 have played them pretty well and competed. Um, and that's always important. Now, you know, what's next? Tennessee, Missouri, Kentucky. Got to get that one. Got to get those figured out. And that did not happen. I thought that was important. So if you're looking for a, a black mark, uh, there you go. Tennessee, Kentucky, Missouri, all losses for the Gamecocks this year. Uh, so, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that it's one of those things where you don't want to 
you don't want to harp on what, what went wrong too much right now because uh, it was a very big win. And I think that you guys out there as the fan base deserve to enjoy it. Uh, it's, it's not necessarily a, a rivalry game that they play every year, but it's a game the Gamecocks would like to win. Uh, and they, they did it, you know, and they did it for the 13th time in 19 attempts against North Carolina. You sort of look at that overall series. North Carolina dominated it, I think, during the leather leather helmet era. At one point, I think they were 14-0-2 or something like that, 14-2-2 against the Gamecocks. Uh, at one point, it got to 29-7-4. and four. You know, South Carolina's now won 20, so 13-6 and six, the last 19 meetings for South Carolina against North Carolina on the gridiron, and I think that's uh, good. And for those of you that – we're around during the ACC era. I think that's even better. So, because uh, you guys, you know, you guys know that was North Carolina, South Carolina was very, very, very intense back then. And, you know, some folks even say it was more intense than the Clemson game. So, you know, we'll see sort of, uh, sort of what happens moving forward. Gamecocks also, I think I looked it up 2028 and 2029. South Carolina plays Columbia against the Tar Heels in the opener and then goes to Chapel Hill. So in the next decades, in this decade, there, you know, there are three games left, one in Charlotte, one in Columbia, one in Chapel Hill. Who knows what will happen with SEC expansion, the new schedule. I mean, there's always a chance those things get blown up. But for right now, it is on the schedule. South Carolina basketball, the men have not played since the 22nd of December. Had a game canceled because of COVID, SC State. They're in action tomorrow night on the uh, SEC Network, I think. Tip-offs at 6.30, what it says here. Uh, hopefully. Uh, I, I think that my schedule is in Easter, on the Eastern time. Um, I think. Hold on. It may not be. <laughs> but, uh, I, uh, you know, that's a, obviously this is a huge, huge game for South Carolina. Auburn is 12 and 1. They rank 6th in the net ranking. They're 2 and 0 on the road, 3 and 1 on a neutral court. Um and they've been killing it. I mean, they've got 3 and 1 against quad 1, 2 and 0 against quad 2, 2 and 0 against quad 3, 5 and 0 against quad 4. South Carolina, you know, here's why they need it. It's a quad 1 thing. Now South Carolina is 6 and 0 at home this year. Gamecocks 0-1 in quad one, 2-0 in quad two, 2-2 and in quad three, 4-0 in quad four. Uh, the two losses to Princeton and Coastal that are now in quad three, that Princeton pull for them because they could end up being higher. They could end up being a quad two loss when all is said and done. Coastal sitting at 138. I'd pull for them too. I mean, it's going to take a lot more to pull them up. Uh, and get that into the uh, the quad that you need. Well, hold on. Well, it's a, that was a true road game. So I think it's 135. So Coastal at 138, maybe they don't have to do that much. Uh, so we'll see sort of uh, how that goes. Gamecocks 105 right now, which is 11th in the league uh, in the net ranking. It's kind of funny. Arkansas is down there below Vandy. A&M's up. Mississippi State's 37th, so it, it's been sort of interesting. Mississippi State, too, does not have a quad one or quad two win 
Huh, go figure. <laughs> uh, the net ranking is kind of weird uh, with the efficiency and stuff that, that he plays into it. But as we've learned, it's daggum important. I mean, uh, the, the committee for the NCAA tournament really puts an emphasis on it. So, And South Carolina's just got to go win games. I mean, you've, you've got a quad one opportunity tomorrow. Uh, you play at Vandy. Uh, that's a Q2 for right now. You got Tennessee on the road after that. That's definitely a Q1. And then Florida, that's kind of uh, Q1, Q2 coming in. So these first four games, I mean, it, it's a tough stretch. And so South Carolina, uh, as far as their basketball schedule goes, is going to, you know, it, I'll just say it's an opportunity and hopefully <laughs> some things go their way. Because uh, obviously they could win them, they could lose them. You know, this team has not been consistent enough uh, to sit there and just say, oh, well, win, loss, win, loss, win, um, and uh, all that. And, yes, tip-off is 6.30 p.m. Eastern time against Auburn on SEC Network. Saturday's game is in Nashville against Vandy. It's on ESPNU. Uh, the game packs go to Tennessee the next Tuesday, SEC Network, 6.30 tip-off in Knoxville. Then the SEC Network again, Florida coming in to uh, play the Gamecocks. So first four games, not uh, not unchallenging if you're the South Carolina men's basketball team. Ladies lost and then won. Uh, the hated Missouri Tigers took down the Gamecocks 70-69 to on the road. I think it's a net positive for the program. Uh, and I'll tell you why. It's, called, it's hard to go undefeated in basketball. And the teams that I've seen over the years – with the exception of those UConn teams that were just really, really good or whatever, uh, and mostly in the men's game, you know, you get undefeated. Sometimes you get to the point where you're facing adversity in a semifinal game and, and you kind of freeze. Uh, I think I think you can learn from losses in basketball. Uh, do, do I think you need to intentionally learn from losses? No. Uh, do I think some of the losses the men have taken – in recent years or, or, or net positives. No, because I think they, they were very costly. Uh, but at Missouri, you know, they've got a program that obviously puts a bullseye on the Gamecocks every year and uh, sometimes gives them trouble. And so that that's what happened there. But the Gamecocks rallied, beat Mississippi State 80 to 68. So Don Staley and her crew are right there rolling. Uh, football recruiting uh, will still is still taking place. Uh, today, Helma Granahan from the Big Spur uh, reported a safety, um, all uh, MAC safety uh, for uh, Central Michigan. Devani Reed, he's from Michigan, uh, all MAC selection, second team. Uh, so the Gamecocks offered him today. And so uh, we'll see kind of how that goes. He's a ball player, so keep an eye on him. Um, and then today, Jacob Cowing, uh, the UTEP transfer is announcing, looks like he's going to Arizona. Uh, he's from Arizona. He's from UTEP initially. It's tough. Uh, I think proximity is probably playing a factor, uh, with him. Uh, all right. So moving forward now, it's our analysis segment. And as always, it is brought to you by Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. Cindy's uh, married to a diehard Gamecock fan. She's been in the upstate over 35 years and would love to help you with any of your real estate needs. 
You can contact Cindy, 864-414-5271, or email her, ccerfoss, that's C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S, at cbcane, C-B-C-A-I-N-E.com. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Uh, we know the real estate market is bonkers. I have a buddy that's about to sell a house. Uh, and I said, call Cindy. You got to call Cindy. Cindy is the person that can help you with it. Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, Cherokee, Pickens, wherever, Union, Greenwood, in that upstate area, Cindy can help you out. So uh, we appreciate her and her sponsorship. And she's with us uh, here moving forward. Uh, also, you heard Heritage Digital at the beginning. I think they're going to probably uh, – So the analysis uh, portion, not going to be that, you know, just looking at it and look, uh, let's talk about what this team needed to do all year on offense to be good. And let's run the football. It obviously was a very uneven year with that. Now you may say, well, JC, it's uh, easier said than done. You're not going to be able to run it on everybody. You know, <laughs> if that were the case, people would just line up and, and run it at you all day and uh, be successful, and that's true. I just think that, you know, going into this game, you saw, okay, well, we're going to do everything we can to try to be able to run the ball. And I don't know that that was always the case this year. Now, I'm not saying that they needed to play to carry in Joyner, a quarterback all year. That's That would be the ultimate hot hot take in hindsight just for me to sit there and say that because I, I would have never thought that would have been an answer. Um, and, and I don't know that it would have been. I mean, you're, you're talking about Joyner going in at quarterback uh, where North Carolina maybe had to dig in the scouting report to figure out who he was or, you know, maybe they were like talking about you know him and the Wildcat and they prepared for that but not for him to run the full playbook. Uh, and you don't know what would have happened, you know, had Clemson and Brent Venables gotten, uh, gotten a hold of uh, – a scouting report on Joyner had film to watch. You know, there's all those things that go into prepping for a game uh, that people just discount at times. So I'm not saying that, but, but you know, kind of like the, the handoff to Jaheim Bell to start the game off. I mean, that where's, where's that been? You know, you're struggling to run the football. Where's that been? That set the tone. I, I thought Jaheim Bell's usage uh, in this football game, particularly early, was exactly, you know, you're struggling to run it. Well, get creative and try to run Bell. You're struggling to to throw vertically. Jaheim Bell was your guy. I mean, you know that 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 should have been he should have been over at receiver. You know, uh, same thing with Amari and Brown. Um, very encouraged. Four catches, sixty one yards for him. Uh, put him up over double digit catches for the year, but he was the best he's played. I mean, he, he played tremendous. You could see the speed. Uh, still would like to see more deep shots to him. I think on one of them he had to slow down for it. Uh, you know, so those have been kind of the things I've been griping about. Use Jaheim Bell creatively. Uh, I'd like to see you throw it deep to Amari Brown. <laughs> uh, I'd like to be able to sit there and say I'm the one that, you know, oh, played to carry and join her. No. I, I, <laughs> I did say, however, that I was worried about Zeb Nolan and, and mobility and all that because, you know, I think North Carolina coming into the game thought, when they go back to pass, we'll just light them up with blitzes. And then did that to Jordan, he ran right by him. So <laughs> he couldn't do that. You know, the few, sometimes Jet Zeb was in and he got protection. Sometimes it wasn't. You know, so we'll see sort of 
what happens there. So, so my take on this is I, you talk to people about Marcus Satterfield and you talk to people about uh, the offensive coordinator job that he's done as, as offensive coordinator this year. And the positive things people say is that he's creative and smart. And that was creative and smart. Um, you know, maybe he outthought himself sometimes. Maybe he needs to settle in. Maybe he had some help. I don't I don't really know the scoop, but uh, it was a good offensive game plan. And as good as the defense played and as great as the defensive game plan was uh, for South Carolina, you know, Beamer's right. I, I think they could have gotten gassed had the offense not stayed on the field. Uh, North Carolina is that explosive uh, of an offense. So, you know, when, when I look at it, you know – it's hard for me to like dismiss the rest of the year. Um, do I see a light at the end of the tunnel in, in a scenario where this, this may work out? Maybe <laughs> a lot would have to happen. Uh, and it would probably take a few games in the next season uh, for me to really buy it. Just, just to be honest. I mean, things were that bad. So I, uh, I'll, I'll stop with the criticism for now <laughs> good game last game and so you just sort of go from there but uh that's my analysis on offense i think i think you know there was a lot of creativity but a lot of crispness uh and, and the creativity was sort of it was sort of bells and whistles uh because kevin harris you know he ran it 31 times it was kind of the same running plays they've been running all year and when you can do run it like that with him, you can kind of open up the playbook. But what I thought was interesting was they op- sort of opened up the playbook early, uh, and then that set Harris up for late, kind of like an old Steve Spurrier thing. He, he gets up, throws to be ahead, and then runs, 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 uh, and all that. So we'll see. We'll see sort of uh, what happens moving forward. Uh, I mentioned some recruiting earlier, and there's been a lot of portal action today. Probably expect more of that. Moving forward, I got a new name for you. I just uh, put on the bigspur.com. I actually had to pause the podcast to take a call. Uh, Virginia linebacker West Weeks, 6'2, 220. Uh, played in every game as a true freshman, 31 tackles, had a season high eight against Pitt. He's a hell of a player, a hell of a young linebacker. Uh, played up there at UVA. Uh, he's in the portal, just went in. I'm told the Gamecocks uh, have a really good shot. He's from Oconee County which is home of Zeb Nolan and the Johnson brothers. He played with the Johnson brothers over there at Oconee and uh, Gamecocks are looking for a portal linebacker. And so we'll see if he ends up being the guy or not. I'll say this. It's a positive thing uh, that his brother is a 2023 guy and uh, is also a highly recruited player. Um, I, uh, I was told he's a stud, and his name is Whit Weeks. So West Weeks and Whit Weeks, <laughs> uh, and and he's a 2023 guy out of Oconee County. The Gamecocks, uh, you know, so now they're looking at another package deal out of Oconee County, one from the portal and one from high school. So we'll see ultimately what happens. But uh, was told by a good contact of mine, very familiar with the workings uh, of how things work in Georgia, the state of Georgia, that uh, West Weeks. Uh, is a guy that really keep an eye on it for South Carolina uh, moving forward. So track him uh, in the portal moving forward. I, I don't know who's going to emerge at receiver. I think that's the question of the day. Also, then the Gamecocks need a running back. 
Um, running back, there was a guy from Wake Forest that uh, hit the portal. Running back Christian Bill Smith, who I think was uh, their leading touching uh, guy that touched the ball this year. Uh, obviously, Michigan State got a running back from Wake last year, and he ended up what being a Heisman finalist for those guys. <laughs> So uh, he got the most touches of the season. And so I think that uh, even though he's out for two games, he uh, he was a pretty good player. He's from East Forsyth High School originally in Kernsville, North Carolina. Christian Bill Smith, running back. So there's one of your Tar Hill State potential transfers moving forward. So that's the deal. Um, just got a text from Hale. West Weeks is a stud. All right, time for the mailbag. Um, mailbag, of course, is brought to you by iHelp Consulting. Uh, for now, iHelp Consulting is uh, was an outstanding partner for us this past football season. So I'm hoping, hoping this continues. But uh, uh, I've told you uh, many, many times uh, about Daniel Owens from iHelp Consulting. He's a huge Gamecock fan, uh, and his mission in life is to save your business time and money. Uh, Gamecock owned and operated, just wants to help you save money. And you may be thinking, man, my business is forking out all this money, credit card processing, internet insurance, whatever else. I help can dig and find you the most savings without sacrificing quality. And remember, if they can't save you any money, you don't pay them anything. That's right. If I help can help your business, it's no cost to you. So call or text Daniel right now, 843-372-5713, or visit iHelpConsulting.com to schedule a free consultation. That number again, 843-372-5713. I help consulting. How can I help you? Uh, also a good sponsor of the JB and Goldwater show, uh, of my segments and all that. Uh, and we really appreciate Daniel and I help consulting. Uh, I'll always remember my first sponsor here on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. But he sponsors the mailbag. There's two ways to get in the mailbag. You can go to Twitter, which I love Twitter. I need to stop tweeting, honestly. Uh, sometimes, I think. Got pretty uh, got pretty fired up, uh, I guess, the other day. So... Um, yeah, with some of the Shane Beamer, Dennis Dunn stuff. So, uh, Hoodie has the first tweet that comes in, and you can tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. Um, it only took Satterfield one spring practice, one fall camp, 12 regular season games, and a month of bowl practice to figure out Jaheim Bell's a certified baller. Uh, look, man, I, I think that's a valid criticism, is how they did not use him. And I was told, too, like, it wasn't for lack of not putting it in, putting it things in for him. It was just when they got in the game, they didn't call it and all this other stuff. So I uh, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I, I think it's legit criticism because I think Jaheim, uh, with who he is, solves a lot of the issues that you had this year. You don't really have vertical threat. You know, and and, and maybe maybe it was quarterback too. You know, maybe quarterback had something to do with it. But I mean, tell me. Jason Brown can't throw a post. I don't know. You know, uh, maybe he can't. But uh, I, I think with Jaheim, you really, honest to God, uh, you know, you, you just kind of get in the ball however you can. And I think that that's uh, – they did that. They did – and look, I'd, I'd like to have seen him got it more 
I mean, it's sort of what in a passing game as we move forward. And then Amari and Brown kind of sort of playing well. But you know, five receptions, 159 yards, ends up with 30 catches this year, team high of five touchdowns. What had a rushing touchdown against uh, Eastern Illinois, but it was called back like a 60, 67 yarder or so from Jahimi. He has breakaway speed. He's huge, tough to tackle, can break tackles. I mean, just a guy that, why wouldn't you want to get him the ball? And I think he's going to be a huge part of the offense next season. Game Guy Fan 3, JC, it's been a great game so far, deep in the third quarter right now. If things weren't so inconsistent, I'd say keep set. But they aren't, and that's frustrating. And how do you see Joyner being used next season? I, I don't know. I think it. I think Joyner's performance calls a lot into question as far as, like, what his best position is. And even if he doesn't play quarterback moving forward, I still think his best position is quarterback, if that makes any sense. Uh, I, I I think playing Bell and Brown sort of where uh, DeCarrion was actually helped, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, that's all that's all that all that right there. Um, all right, so Densville Historical Society responds. It also may have taken Jaheim Bell that long to grasp the offense. You know, I'm sorry, but whatever. I mean, that's that's not – are you saying that because you saw Jaheim be in the same place as another guy running around? Well, how the hell do you know who was running the wrong route? I mean, where's your – you have inside info saying that? Uh, he didn't look like he, you know – I was having trouble learning the offense when he called an 82-yard touchdown against Mandy, did he? You know, come on. I mean, that's uh, – and look, if that's a criticism of Jaheim, now if that's, a, if that's saying, hey, the offense is too damn complicated, Densville, then I definitely, definitely will agree with you. Uh, Mason tweets in. Lots of, in, lots of mailbag questions today, by the way. Did Sad just coach himself back into the good graces of Gamecock fans? The offense certainly impressed me. I know UNC isn't a defensive juggernaut, but way to show out by the offense. And I love seeing the carry on. It's the carry on, not Dak. Get his moment. Hell of a game by that kid. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know. You know, South Carolina struggled against poor defensive teams this year. Missouri comes to mind. Uh, Vanderbilt comes to mind. You know, I'm not, Troy is actually pretty good on defense this year. Um, you know, was Clemson that much better? I mean, to where they're going to shut them out? They should have shut them out? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, but, yeah, it, it, it's just one of those things that, that I – you know, from what I can judge with the fan base, you know, half the folks are, are fired up. Everybody, Number one, everybody should be fired up about that win. You know, don't don't sit here and 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 downplay the win because you think there should be a change um, at offensive coordinator. You know, don't 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 do that. Uh, everybody should be fired up about the victory. But you know, some fans I think are ready to just jump back on the bandwagon and sign up for another year. Some are skeptical. Um, so I don't know. You know, is he back in the good graces of the Gamecocks fans? I, I think. By and large, you know, Carolina's going to hit the portal and get some players. There's going to be a lot of excitement because they're going to have more players next year, especially if some of these guys come back. And I think everybody will just live with it this offseason. But, 
you know, you go into the next season, you have some of the same stuff. And I'm, I'm going to tell you this right now. You know, Spencer Rattler is coming in here to play quarterback. That guy is not going to sit there and deal with some kind of like nutty, complicated offense that doesn't allow him to go out and play. And I know he mentioned he wanted the pro style and I want to be coached like that and all that. Sure. But, but you, you, you also have to understand it's not a quarterback development game. It's a winning football games. That, that, that's the idea. I mean, we, we went this with the last staff with guys. Oh, we put all these guys in the NFL. Well, then why the hell was your secondary so bad? You know, and there's probably reasons for that. But, uh, you know, I, I just think that, <laughs> you know, you, you got to be careful because, like I said, with Spencer Rattler, you, you don't want to miss. Because the next Spencer Rattler is not going to give you a look. You know, this guy went there and he failed and all that. Yeah, you know, and, I, and I know, I know he failed at Oklahoma or, or lost his job at Oklahoma, and that's fine. That's Oklahoma. That's not South Carolina. You know, and I think for a a player with the name recognition like Rattler to come to South Carolina, uh, I think that's that's kind of a it's a it's a it's a different kind of decision, uh, but it's also one where. You know, I think he's sitting there thinking, I can come in the SEC and play and improve my draft stock and all that, and learn some things and and all that good stuff. Uh, so, it, I mean, it is a it is a gamble. He could have gone, you know, there's a lot of Pac-12 jobs open. He could have gone to Arizona or in his home state. Uh, Jed Fish certainly has coached quarterbacks pro style-wise for a while. Uh, he could have, you know, knocked down the door to go there, uh, but he didn't. And uh, so this needs to work out. You know, for South Carolina, I mean, it, it, the, the winning games is the most important thing, uh, and and if you set it up like that, I'm pretty sure Spencer Rattler will have a pretty good, um, pretty good deal. All right, so here we go. Blah blah blah. Gamecock Pastor. All right, JC, I got into a disagreement on here post game that ended with me being banned from the 2022 Satterfield bandwagon. I know you're going to have a hundred questions about the OC. I want to add to that. Just stunned people still think he could be our best option next year. I can't disagree. <laughs> uh, I haven't really, you know, I haven't really uh, changed that, that the last game notwithstanding. So there we go. Uh, Gamecock Ricky says, Happy New Year, JC. It seems like Bamer's going to keep set. I, I think based on his public comments, you have to read it that way uh, and all that. So, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I think that that's, uh, that's up to him. Uh, any new thoughts on his ups and downs? Is he improving? Should we move in a new direction? Uh, I, you know, I would have I done this, okay, but but then again, you know, there's different ways you can handle it, I guess. Sometimes you can, you know, a guy can, you can behind the scenes tell a guy, hey, go get another job pretty soon, or, or here's how we're going to play this, or you can bring in a co-coordinator. I mean, you don't even have to tell anybody who's calling plays. It's a team effort. I mean, you know, you, you, can, you can fix it without ruining, you know, just throwing the guy out on his butt. You know, my question would be, what's the value, you know? And, and I'm not talking about the monetary value because I I think a lot of us around here are, are, are under the impression that, 
you know, South Carolina's pinching pennies, and, and if they spend on this, they can't spend on that. And that's just not true. Uh, I don't know why Gamecock fans – that's not your money, really, that they're spending. It, it part, part of it probably is because you – you know, you donate it or whatever, and God bless everybody that does that. But, you know, uh, I wouldn't worry about having a $900,000 a year analyst or a, you know, co-coordinator or something like that, to be honest. I, I just uh, – I wouldn't if that's the fix. You know, so I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe he just holds serve with Satterfield and the whole staff and says it was a good year, and it was. It was a very, very good year. So uh, – in terms of the final results, now now there's obviously, you know, some things that could have been better, starting with the offense and the offensive approach, the coaching, the game plans, anything, you know. Um, so that's uh, that's the good deal there. So we'll see sort of what happens with that. And, yeah, I'm getting 100,000 questions about Satterfield today. Chavis looks like Satterfield is saying, staying. North Carolina defense is terrible. South Carolina's defense is playing good with so much energy. Satterfield will get credit for the win, so Shane can keep him. What do you say, JC? Well, Javis, I, I know North Carolina's not that good on defense, obviously. Uh, and I know South Carolina played good on defense. But, but look, let's be honest. It, you know, with Doubling their time of possession had a lot to do with – the situation uh, on defense, you know, because the defense, Carolina's defense, you know, they're without a couple of guys anyway. They're not the deepest group. I mean, they could have gotten gassed and lost. So, so you got to give some credit to the offense for helping them on defense and vice versa. It's a team game. Uh, so everybody's got to work together. The best teams do have that balance where they, they sort of work together. Um, as far as him getting credit for the win, so Shane can keep him, I, I, you know, I, I don't think that's all there is to the to a decision, provided a decision hasn't already been made. Um, I think it's kind of a fallacy that, oh, he's going to keep him around because he's his buddy. Um, even if Shane Beamer does not make that change, I, I just look at it more as a football. You know, there's a football reason why he's not he's keeping on, and you know you can you can buy into the theory that it's because the quarterback you had to play all these quarterbacks and, and all this, but I'm just not, you know, I, I, you know, it just should have been better than that. Everybody sits there and Lord, sort of throws Jason Brown under the bus. They're down to their third string quarterback. Well, theoretically, but Jason Brown played better than Luke Doty or uh, Zeb Nolan in terms of like key plays at key times. Now, you know, did he throw as pretty of a ball at times as some of those guys? No, but uh, and did he was he perfect? No, but let's not let's not kid ourselves, folks. Jason Brown was instrumental in beating Florida and Auburn. Gamecocks don't even get to that bowl if it's not him, and he clearly was more comfortable than the other two. Uh, and I don't know if they scaled it back, and that, that's why it was or whatnot. But he, when he came in, Florida and whoever he. He played well, and, and even in the Missouri game that they lost, I thought some of his individual playmaking ability kept them in it through a touchdown to Josh Mann, escaping pressure, that kind of thing. So, I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know, so I, I don't know that I buy the third-team quarterback thing. Uh, I don't know that I buy the injury, though Kevin Harris wasn't healthy all year. Well, you got other backs. Why didn't you play Zaquan? Well, Zaquan White wasn't hurt.
You know, why, why did why did he not get care? You know, there's a lot of questions. There's still a lot of questions. Um, and so I think that's uh, that's fair. Tristan says, so it really is just as easy as we thought. Simplify and get your playmakers the ball. And Joyner should have started over Hill and Nolan. That's Brown and Nolan. Colin Hill's not here anymore. Uh, all along, just got to run his offense. Even with all that being so happy to get the win, I'll take it however I can get. Got to be a long offseason waiting to see the team again. Go Cox from Tristan. Yeah, you know, get your guys the ball. Jaheim Bell, Kevin Harris, Juju McDowell. Uh, Marshawn Lloyd, I think, was banged up and didn't play because he didn't practice a couple of days. But, you know, Xavier Leggett had a good catch. Amarian Brown, like I mentioned earlier. EJ Jenkins had a catch. So, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of, you know, it's not that hard, folks. <laughs> not that complicated. As far as the long offseason, I, I tend to agree. I mean, it, it, it was kind of nice for South Carolina to be in a bowl again this year just because you had that extra month where the team's still playing and practicing and all that. And you kind of missed that the last two years. I was actually, believe it or not, I was actually disappointed that the Gamecocks had to pull out of the Gasparilla Bowl uh, against UAB. <laughs> just because I, you know, I want to see him play one more time. You only get, I mean, last year, shoot, you only had 10. You only get a le- uh, 12 guaranteed. So if it's 13, it's nice. 14, great. 15, wow, you're playing for all the marbles. As it stands now, so we'll see. But thanks for the email, Kristen, and or Tristan, Tristan. Sorry about that. And uh, certainly appreciate all your emails this season, and hope you keep them coming. Again, inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. Isaiah York, two words for you, Decarry, and super proud of him and the way he played. If I'm not mistaken, DK has one more year, and if he does, can we expect to see any more of him at quarterback? I honestly, Isaiah, I, I think this is what he is. I mean. I, I, I think at receiver, he's solid, but you, you saw, you know, Brown play there, Bell play there, and some other guys, and they, they were probably better. Uh, he just looks so much more comfortable, and his, his natural quickness and instincts take over when he's a quarterback. Um, very hard for him to do a receiver, you know. I mean, look at how elusive he was, just getting out of the way of – Pressure, keeping his eyes downfield. Um, Spencer Rattler's not coming to South Carolina to split reps, though. I'll tell you that right now. So, how do you use him, uh, you know, next season? And, you know, how does that all fit together if he comes If he comes back? He does have another year. Would he consider maybe transferring somewhere else and, and, and playing quarterback? I mean – Look, I, I I hope to God Virginia Tech does sign Jason Brown out of the portal because I think Jason deserves a shot. But keep in mind, Virginia Tech uh, landed the uh, – I mean, took the, took the offensive coordinator from Georgia State, which is basically the App State offense. Now, could Jason Brown fit into the App State offense? Yes, it's a little more traditional. It's just kind of like Chase Bryce did this year at App. But it's always much better at app when you got a running quarterback. If you think about what Malik Cunningham can do at Louisville, uh, the quarterbacks at Georgia State have certainly done well running the ball. And then you think about Joyner and his ability to go vertical. Man, oh, man. Uh, I think uh, that kind of system he, he could do. People, some people you know, are talking about, well, he can go to the group of five and, and play. And, and I, don't, I don't even know that he has to go to group of five. 
I think there's certain uh, power five programs that he fits in quite nicely at, uh, especially looking at his arm. I mean, you know, I, I've seen him throw, and, and I knew he was pretty good through pretty good long ball in high school, but, but he was very accurate, very good velocity on the ball, good decisions. You know, so we'll see, you know, as far as him being at Carolina, if I'm the Gamecock coaches, I'm probably keeping him at QB. Now, is he going to beat out Spencer Rattler? I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But, uh, you know, I, 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 I think that it's just a situation where myself and everybody else was wrong and he's a quarterback. It's just a matter of scheme fit for him. Um, and I don't know that what he did Saturday fits in. I'm not, you know, I'm not sure what <laughs> the scheme fit is here. Uh, I do think that, uh, you know, it, it's very intriguing him back there and he goes from kind of a guy that's just sort of average at receiver to uh, or you know some cases below average learning the position to a guy that you know is a natural talent that can help you win games so you know what will happen you know moving forward with that position and him specifically uh, and I don't know I don't know the answers it's uh, it's January 3rd folks so we'll see how all this is moving forward uh, Belmont Gamecock, 2-0, and 2 and Mayo for Coach Beamer in bowl games. Minus the outcome, you pretty much nailed the keys to the game on your Wednesday prediction show. Credit to Beamer for keeping these players motivated, the staff for building a creative game plan, and the players for executing amongst the numerous distractions with COVID, opt-outs, transfer portal, coaching rumors. I really believe this is the new normal. A strong leadership from the head coach and mental fortitude and focus is not to be underestimated. True. I haven't been this excited about an offseason since we were teased with winning some first in the Spurrier era, but I need to keep reminding myself that parts are still coming together and it takes time. Since it appears the coaching staff will remain intact, I will just say I'd like the team in, for the team to improve in its understanding and execution of the chosen schemes in all three phases. Recruiting is going well and the dust is settling with roster attrition. Can you share thoughts on who or what uh, additional positions could be targeted heading into the spring. Uh, offensive tackle, running back, wide receiver, defensive end, uh, obviously linebacker, uh, and they're looking at some safeties. They're, they're not going to turn down a great player, though. Uh, so that's that's the deal there. Uh, but those are the, the, the targets right now. Uh, in the spirit of way too early predictions, what are your top keys to go to eight-plus wins in 2022? Happy and prosperous new year to you and yours. I, the, the offense has to get better. I mean, it, it, it has to get more consistent. Um, you know, you you look at the the games that were they were able to run the ball, uh, and in those games they 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 did pretty well. And when they couldn't, they, they didn't do so well. Um, it's got to be just a better, I don't know, awareness on offense uh, and execution and, and all that good stuff. So that that's what I think. There's a lot of guys coming back. You know, so some of these excuses about a new system this, a new system that, it's not going to fly next year. I honestly don't think that a college football program should ever take a year to put in a new system. Um, And, you know, so whatever. You know, if that's, if that's the thing, new second year in a new system, that's fine. Um, So offense guys to get more consistent. I, I think South Carolina needs 
Jordan Strong to come back at defensive end. They need Jordan Burtz to take a step so you get those pass rushers going. They need to be faster at linebacker um, and continue to come on at the secondary. Uh, and I think they could have a really good defense next year if that happens. Um, so thanks, Belmont Gamecock. Appreciate it. Mitchell. <laughs> Mitchell's always creative. Uh, hope all is well. It's been a while, so I thought I'd ask a two-part question. First, heading into 2022 between Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, Hendon Hooker, Spencer Rattler, and Brady Cook, which will have the best opportunity for success, in your opinion, in their respective schools and lead their team as an underdog in the SEC East race? You know, Levis looked really good for Kentucky at times. Uh, he's just going to get better. Uh, that's another pro style system. So if, if we're if we're talking about second year is always better, that's good. Um, Florida brought in a grad transfer from or not a grad a portal guy from Ohio State to compete with Richards. I don't, I don't even know. I don't even know if he's staying. Uh, Brady Cook looked good to me for Missouri. You know Rattler. Uh, you know, look on this list because he was so consistent. And because I had no freaking idea why Virginia Tech decided to just turn him loose, <laughs> um, uh, you know, Hooker, I've always been a fan. I've always thought he was really good, and uh, he certainly played that way this year for Tennessee. So on that list, I'd go with the sure thing, Hooker from Tennessee. Uh, but Rattler's very intriguing, obviously, at South Carolina, obviously. Second, as a fun question, do you think ESPN – Whoever controls the bowls will add more games in the future and some possible locations they can play the game. Personally, I think these five bowls would be fun to consider. Lowe's Toilet Bowl in Jacksonville, Jackson, Mississippi. Worst Power Five team versus worst group of five team. Wow. Number two, the Bojangles Fried Chicken Bowl in Raleigh or Charlotte, ACC versus ACC. I could see that game in Charlotte becoming the chicken bowl if Duke's mayonnaise doesn't work out. The Bojangles Bowl. How about that? Bohunglies. The Budweiser Beer Bowl in St. Louis. Uh, that dome in St. Louis is aging, my friend. I went to an XFL game there, and I guess, two years ago. It's aging. Big 10 versus Big 12. Coach gets dumped with beer after the game. <laughs> Reese's Peanut Butter Bowl, Philadelphia. Big Ten versus ACC. Coach gets dumped with peanut butter after the game. In Philadelphia in, January, in December, that would be cold. The Bluebell Ice Cream Bowl in Anchorage, Alaska. Pac-12 versus Mountain West. Coach gets dumped with ice cream after the game. As long as it's not outside, man. Some of these you know, cold weather places are not ideal. Spencer says... Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Just want to let you know there's a repetitive ping or bong noise on the mic. Still love the content. It was very interesting that I listened after the Tar Heel Beatdown. Talked to you in 2022, sir. Thanks. Yeah, whatever. You guys send me emails on that if it's not fixed because there's something that's going on. Uh, I, I'm being perfectly like mannequin still here. And uh, I don't know what exactly is happening, so I probably need to get that fixed if it's an issue. Brian Beatty. Hey, JC, Brian Beatty here again. What a massive win. Best game plan and execution I've seen all year, and especially happy for Jordan. Now that's a wrap. What are your thoughts on Shane's first year trajectory of the program? Much love. Go Cox. I think 
you know, just about anybody you could have hired for this job, seven and six was a would have been a good year. Now, do I think they left some things on the table by what happened with the offense? Yeah, I think two games. Um, and I know they scored 28 against Missouri, but they only had 250 yards in that one. Um, I, uh, you know, Kentucky and Missouri were two you'd like to have back. Gamecocks win those two. I think they're in a floor. They're playing in the Citrus or Outback. But didn't happen. And uh, actually, they'd have been eight and four, probably in the Gator against Wake. And uh, the Gamecocks would have not backed out like Texas A&M did. Um, you know, so, so you'd like to have those back. And those are two games against two SEC East teams that have top 15 recruiting classes that are now on win streaks against the Gamecocks. Uh, and they've had quite a bit of success against the Gamecocks. And that's inexcusable. Uh, you can excuse it your first year. But Missouri and Kentucky series needs to turn quickly. Uh, and they're not slowing down at either one of those schools. Um, not that Missouri was a world-beating team this year. I thought, you know, Kentucky going 10-3, and three, this is, a, you know, another one of their cycle ups. Kentucky's 33-17 and 17 the last four years of four straight bowl wins. So they're doing pretty well maximizing. But you still got to – you got to flip that, man. I mean, you got to flip it. So, uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know what needs to happen there other than play better. So, I think South Carolina uh, did lose, you know, some folks that uh, were – or some games that, that they probably should have won and would like another couple back. But it's a long season, and, you know, there's just not – you know, there's just not a lot of uh, complaining to do as long as you make up those game, you know, wins. Because you, you look at the schedule, like, well, you know, they'll probably be an underdog to Florida and Auburn. You know, not so much with Kentucky and Missouri's winnable, but it didn't happen that way. So, uh, so there you go with that. Inside the game pass at gmail.com, by the way. I help consulting mailbag. Hudson. What's up, JC? What a game that was. Very proud of the team and effort all year long. Things have not been great all the time, but finding a way to win seven and beating a talented UNC is a great start for Coach Beamer. My question today is sort of a joke, but again, not really. Has there ever been another team to play as many quarterbacks as we have this year? Talk about quarterback by committee. Being able to pull this sort of year with almost no consistency at the position is very impressive, but I hope we never have to do it again. All kidding aside, happy to end the year on a positive note and see this translate into more positive recruiting before the next signing day. Happy New Year. Hope 2022 is good to you, Hudson. Um, Hudson, the 99 Gamecocks played that many quarterbacks. So there's uh, there's your there's your answer for that one. Um, I think they played five. Of course, that team did not win a game. So to win in spite of that, you know, I, I think it is pretty good. Uh, but I'll also say this. I, I don't, I don't, you know, I, I don't necessarily buy that, the, the, you know, some of the things they were doing uh, was just, oh, a third team quarterback, all this other stuff. I just don't, I'm just not there. Um, I think a lot of these guys, I don't know. You know, it's just one of those things. I'm just, uh, 
I'm just not ready to sit there and accept the whole, oh, third-string quarterback. Well, you mean he wasn't as he wasn't as good as Zeb Nolan? Zeb Nolan was a statue in the pocket. Uh, somebody that was not even, you know, familiar with football uh, would sit there and tell you, look, you know, you, this guy's going to get killed behind this line against some good defensive teams if you don't, you know, protect. And if you're not going to protect, you need some guys, guys with some some mobility back there. And it wasn't Luke Doty with the broken foot either. I mean, so, you know, I could have made a case that, you know, maybe maybe you go with Jason Brown and maybe – I'm not going to say, again, the Jacarian thing earlier just because – that's the ultimate hot take of hindsight, and I don't roll that way because I wouldn't have thought about it either. Uh, wish they would have, <laughs> but they didn't. So uh, you know, I, I'm just not in. I, I just I'm just not sure because you, you look at the other things, the personnel use, and all that. And, and boy, Saturday they nailed it. That's exactly what Jaheim Bell needed to be doing. Juju McDowell, those guys, Amarian Brown, EJ Jenkins, who blocked really really well. So so we'll see what happens with that, but. Uh, yeah, so we'll see. Noah says, AJC, Thursday's Bowls was one of the better I've been to. Great atmosphere, dominant win. A lot of the players had the best game of the year. Do you know if there's any chance Joyner is back next season? Yeah, I mean, he hasn't said he's going anywhere. I'm just, I just think people are kind of uh, speculating, you know, about that or whatever. So there you go. That's today's podcast, folks, uh, here on Monday, January 3rd. Uh, thanks to Heritage Digital. Thanks to iHelp Consulting. Thank you to Cindy Searfoss Realtors, Realtor up there in Spartanburg, Caldwell Banker Kane, uh, and all the sponsors here. Looking forward to this new year, 2022. We'll be back with many podcasts in the near future. Don't forget basketball tomorrow night. Lots to talk about there. And uh, just here in the last hour or two while I'm recording, it does look like the transfer portal is heating up, folks. So, uh, that's something to keep an eye on as well. This is J.C. Sherbert, as always. I appreciate you listening, and I'm signing off. Talk to you soon.